The Anchored City podcast is recorded in Anchorage, Alaska, on the traditional lands of the Denina Athabascan people. City Podcast. I'm your host, Joel Kiekenfeld. Growing up in the Midwest, I often heard the voice of Paul Harvey coming out of a kitchen radio or a car dashboard. What I remember most was him giving you the story behind some famous event or person in a segment called The Rest of the Story. Harvey's first syndicated radio show, Paul Harvey News and Comment, began in 1951. The rest of the story was spun off in 1976 and ran until Harvey's death 33 years later, in 2009. Part of the rest of the story on Harvey himself is that he was the descendant of five generations of Baptist preachers. In last week's episode, we considered the division present in the faith community in Anchorage. But division is not the whole story. In this episode, we will consider the rest of the story. This episode is a collection of three short interviews. Each interview highlights religious leaders engaged in dialogue despite their differences. Each of these conversations is an example of how Anchorage is becoming the way it's supposed to be for all people. There are oceans and there are deserts that I have yet to cross. And I have dreamed of faraway places where imagination just gets lost. And I would search the wide world. My first conversation is with a couple of leaders from a racial reconciliation group that began meeting in the wake of the George Floyd murder. Well, I am Andre Parker, a senior pastor at Shiloh Missionary Baptist Church. I've uh, been in Alaska for about 12 years now, I believe, if I'm counting right, uh, since uh, 2006, and uh, just been serving here at Shiloh as a senior pastor for these past three years, going on four years here in December. And I'm uh, just happy to be here at this moment. Rick Benjamin, born and raised in Anchorage, Alaska, lifelong Christian, and worked at Abbott Loop Community Church for 30 years. I was a senior pastor there for 19 years. Still a member of the church now called Unite. And I work now for an organization called Hope Community Resources, where I serve as kind of a chaplain for the last 12 years. And I'm happy to be here. So you're both facilitators for this group of um, reconciliation, race, justice, and the gospel. So I would love to hear about how that group got started, what's the purpose of the group, and kind of who participates. 
Well, um, the group uh, kind of came by inspiration of God. That's really the best way to say this. Um, a lot of things going on in our community in twenty early on in 2020 and uh, with uh, the murder of George Floyd and um, um, uh, Breonna Taylor and uh, so many other things just going on. And there was a lot of voices being heard, but no voice from the church. And uh, I sat down with my executive minister and we were just praying and I told her that, you know, I really believe we ought to bring the pastor together some kind of way in the city of Anchorage. And, and that's kind of how the group started. And uh, I was, uh, I'm really not sure how I met uh, Rick, but uh, the conversation kind of went, call him and see if he can get some other group of pastors together. He get the white pastor together, I get the black pastor together, and then we come together and just have this dialogue of discussion. How can we be a voice in the city of Anchorage? How can we come together as one? How can we maintain that unity? And that's kind of how the group started. And I titled it Reconciliation, Race, Justice, and the Gospel, a foundation of the gospel, the Bible. How do we come together as one? Uh, without an agenda, just to really build relationships. And, and so I called Rick up, and he said yes, uh, and I let him share from there. Well, I did say yes, because that summer there was so much strife and violence even, and I wondered what I could even do. And then, Andre, you called me, and that was great. And I remember you used the word reconciliation, yeah. and right away I knew that that was your heart. That's what you wanted, to bring some things together. And I wanted to get to know you better anyway. And so I was very blessed and honored that you asked me to collaborate with you. So I said yes right away. And that's how we started. Thank you. Yeah. So what does the group look like? Like who participates? Like what, how, how have you had these discussions, those type of things? So we started out, um, uh, I met with the group of black pastors and Rick met with a group of white pastors. And we asked three questions. Really, that's how we started. And I won't go into all those details, but we we started out with a basic foundation. Uh, how do we learn about race? Um, how do we see race and things of that nature? Um, and then we kind of capsize it with this question here. If my brother or my sister is hurting in the gospel, how do I respond? And that was kind of a, a, kind of a catch-all for all of the groups. And we did that individually. And then the goal was to really just come together and compare answers. And... Uh, it was very interesting the way we thought, uh, so different <laughs> on many issues. But as it relates to the scriptures, we all came to the conclusion that uh, we were one in Christ and we could make a difference standing together. And so we started in that fashion. The group that, uh, uh, the pastors that attend and the leaders that attend kind of span the gamut of den denominations, um, non-denominational. So... Um, you there there are different doctrines that um, some believe others don't believe uh, but that's not what it's built on it really is built on how can we build relationships uh, how can I get to know my brother my sister in Christ particularly in the community where I live uh, we preach and we teach but we don't get to know each other so that's kind of how the group kind of functions on a daily uh, monthly basis now uh, we were meeting weekly or every other week in the beginning just to get started and now we meet once a month uh, we try to meet third Tuesdays of the month and uh, we just have conversations getting to know one another build relationships uh, sometimes there's a topic sometimes they're not but 
Uh, we just try to make it uh, interesting where we can grow and build relationships. Maintain that unity that God already started. Uh, that's really what we want to do. And there's so much more. But Rick. You reminded me of how we started this. I've been in many dialogues and panels and forums over the years on all kinds of topics. But your approach to have two separate groups at the beginning, the black guys and the white guys, with the same list of questions. Yes to interact in those ways and then bring the two groups together and interact with the same questions again, I thought that was ingenious and it really was. And for us white guys, it was mostly a bunch of guys saying, I don't think I'm a racist. I don't want to be a racist. I don't have enough relationship with my black brothers and sisters. So when they're hurting, I'm going to even know about it. And I don't even know how to suffer when the other part of the body is suffering. So we were eager to get together and and listen and build those relationships stronger and then we did yeah. so it's been a great blessing to yeah. me personally I now have much stronger relationship with a bunch of wonderful brothers and sisters in Christ and Anchorage especially you which I treasure and uh, lots of important events have happened yeah. since we started meeting yeah. I think and I think some real progress by God's grace yeah so with such a diverse group of people meeting, diverse in lots of different ways, um, my guess is that this group wouldn't necessarily agree on every hot button issue, even though meeting over reconciliation has kind of got its own um, opportunities for conflict, we should say, maybe yeah. say. Um, so what kind of makes the group work in light of that? Because that, it sounds like the dialogue, and I've witnessed some of that, the dialogue's really um, done well. Um, when often we all experience where dialogue's not done very well. So kind of what makes the group work in light of that kind of divided? You church? know, I think it works because we all are one in Christ, yeah. and we all agree that we want reconciliation. Yeah. And then we've tried to avoid everything else where we might be different. And I remember one time another issue that's important started to come up, but right away we sensed, uh-oh, this is one where we disagree wildly. Yeah. And so we just steered away from that because yeah. we didn't want anything to divide us. And we wanted to stay focused on the main issue. And by the way, I think that's exciting. I think yeah. the beauty of the group is, even though we, all of us in the rooms know we disagree with each other on a bunch of stuff, here we do agree. Yeah. And we find fellowship and friendship even, in spite of the other differences. So I think it's kind of a success. But one time, we almost got off track. <laughs> we did, yeah. What do you yeah, think? I think, uh, I think the intentionality behind us saying, yes, I know I don't agree with you on this, but that's not why I'm here. I still love you. I still care for you. I'm still going to talk to you. I'm still going to get to know you. And just for us to be able to come to the table, sit down and talk and listen and understand each other, I think that's really what makes the group yes. work. It's not about what I believe. It really isn't. It's about that I'm a human being. I'm created in God's image. God loves me. I love you. I want to know you. We're fellow laborers in the kingdom of God in, with the gospel, and, and I want to walk with you. Mm -hmm. Now, that may come to this split or this fork in the road where we have to say, hey, you go over here and take care of this, and I'm going to go take care of this, but down the road we'll meet again. 
and it worked, and it's working. And we've built, I think, some wonderful relationships. Me too. We're continuing to build those wonderful relationships. And I think everyone in the group knows this, and they are intentional about staying away from those hot button issues. Yes. Because we know what kind of division that can bring. We've all experienced, and I think we're pretty uh, keen to that now. We no, we don't need to go there. Uh, but, yeah, it could easily come, but it doesn't because I think we're intentional about really building relationships and being with one another. I think at the beginning some guys were nervous, yeah. like, he's here? Yeah. Well, I happen to know he believes something really different yeah. about this. But then, as we found this common ground, you find out, well, he still believes that really different thing, but I kind of like him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and bad. so, to me, that's a victory Yeah. and a real success. really is. And it wasn't really the main purpose, but it's been a great blessing coming out of the dialogue. Yeah. Is there anything else that you would want folks to know about this group? Anything that we kind of missed? We tried to stay in our lane, meaning we tried to speak as pastors and Christians and with the authority that we believe comes from the Bible and how we understand the Bible. So we didn't try to fix everything or create a new organization or address all the other issues that might be connected to issues of race. Yeah. We just tried to speak as pastors, as Christians, where we really do have authority to speak yeah. and not pretend we're experts any place else. That's right. I think that's been good. It is. It has. And, and I think, Rick, you, you said it. We, we speak from the expert um, voice of Christians as yes. pastors, yes. as faith leaders, and we're not trying to do anything other than that. There are other organizations in our community that can deal with those issues that may come up, and we will direct people to that, but we are pastors, and our sole goal is to be a voice of reconciliation, yeah, to be a voice of unity, to be a voice of oneness in our community. Yeah. And, and we are so, uh, I think, we are so powerful as leaders in our community, in our own right, that when we speak, people listen. Yeah. I and hope so. Yeah, I hope so, yeah. Because <laughs> like you said, there was no Christian voice. There was voice. no voice. Yeah. There were other voices yeah. going around the whole country, but who was speaking for Jesus? Yeah. There wasn't a Dr. King. No. Who in his generation was that voice. Yeah. And we felt like something's missing, and so we tried to be a little bit of a voice, just an anchorage anyway. At least an anchorage. For Jesus. Yeah. And I think we did in some ways. One day in November last year, yeah. many of us, on the same Sunday, did the same message yeah. in churches all across Anchorage. And we told people that. Yeah. Here's, go to any one of these churches, you're going to hear the same message. And it was the one of reconciliation. Yeah. And I thought that was kind of historic and kind yeah. of wonderful. Yeah. Here, just recently, we had a, uh, a church community-wide churches fellowship where all of these churches in this group came together and just had a good time. We ate hot dogs, hamburgers, and other things and just fellowshiped and talked. Uh, building relationships, yeah. uh, coming together even in the midst of our differences mm-hmm. to say, guess what? We're like, we're together, we're one. And I want to know you more, and I'm sure you want to know me more too. And it works. It's worked. We have a wonderful time, and I think we can uh, expect greater things. I can expect greater things. Yeah. And I would invite uh, any other pastor in this city, in this community, yes. that want to be a part of this group to contact. Uh, me, myself, uh, Andre Parker, uh, at Shiloh, 907-306-9628. Uh, call me, and I'm sure Rick is open to the same. I am. 
and I keep hearing myself use the word guys, but we're talking about pastors <laughs> who are women and men in yeah. Anchorage, yes. and that's been great too. And we have some work to do. Yeah, We know that. We're not there yet, but it's better. Yes. And I can give a personal story. Uh, I had a tragic loss in my family earlier this year, and I got so many wonderful expressions of love from black ministers that a year ago I hardly knew. And it was so meaningful to me. And it, it came because of what we're doing here. And I'm grateful. Next, I sat down with two people who are involved in a group called Preaching Peace. I'm Jessica Lowers, and I am the co-director of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative uh, with Joel. And I serve a number of different roles in my community, um, as well as um, a network director, for the Anchorage Hub for the Street Psalms Urban Training Collaborative. And I'm Dawn Allen Heron, and I serve as a priest, associate rector at St. Mary's Episcopal Church in Anchorage. Um, I've, I've lived in Anchorage for four years now. Um, before that, 25 years in Southeast Alaska and Ketchikan. So that's what I know about me. Great. So both of you are part of this group, Preaching Peace, that meets each week. I'd love to hear from you. What is the group, um, kind of who participates um, when you guys come together on Wednesday afternoons? Well, the group is a group of, of clergy, there's, you know, religious leaders, Christian religious leaders. And we gather on Wednesday afternoons and we look at a particular uh, gospel text. Uh, that many of us will, or some of us at least, will preach the following Sunday and um, talk about our insights, what, what resonates with us, what, what stands out to us especially, and, um, and how it might be applicable to ourselves personally or, or and to our congregations or those we work with or our, whoever it is in our most immediate context. I would just add that we're a fairly diverse group of people um, from different faith traditions and backgrounds, different contexts. And one of the, the gathering questions, the questions that really um, meets us regardless of where we're at in the text is how do we teach and preach this text for peace um, for our city? And so thinking about not only our interpretations of the text, um, our perspectives and insights, but then also trying to think about what this looks like um, in order to be good news for all people in all places. I, I, I wanna say, I mean, what Jessica has said is important that yes, that the question, you know, by its very title, that we're preaching peace. And, and there are times in which that is provides really a very distinctive and interesting turn on our conversation uh, to say, you know, how does this teach us? What does this teach us about what peace is and how we make it where we are and how we encourage others or um, equip others to also be people who are making peace where they are. So you mentioned it's a diverse group and you mentioned peace. So in light of 
all of the religious kind of conflict or strife or disagreements that happen in our city or even in our country, like, how does this group function? Like, I guess a question I could have asked is like, would this group get along in the same way that it does if like hot button topic questions were asked? So I would love to hear about how this group kind of functions in this world of religious dialogue that's often not dialogue, it's more disagreement. That's a great question, Joel. And, um, I mean, to put it most succinctly, you know, would this group agree on the hot button issues? No, um, I would say not. However, part of what's so in, so terrific for me, so helpful for me about the conversations is that, you know, for most of us, we would agree that we want to build peace, that we want to make peace, that we want to live in a community and we want to create community for others that is grounded in peace. Um, but how that works itself out for each of us related to particular issues is different. And so, you know, one of the real advantages for me of this conversation is it allows me, or let me start back over. Um, it keeps me from being able to turn other folk into straw people, right? Um, so I, I, I only get, in this setting, I only get to say my half of the conversation. And very often I hear people um, saying what other people think, you know, writing their half of the conversation. And in, in this context, to be able to hear people with whom I disagree on outcomes, explain how that arises out of their faith commitments and faith commitments that we share is actually really helpful. I'm not sure I have much more to add without jumping to the next question and kind of tangling some of the, the things that we're exploring here, but I, we don't necessarily agree on those outcomes. But I think what makes this work is the fact that we're in relationship with each other. Many of us have relationships outside of this particular table. Um, and that has built trust in each other and that we can believe the best about each other, um, even when we disagree in these ways. Um, and I believe that one of the things that fosters and continues to foster then this openness and this willingness to hear each other's different perspectives is our willingness to be vulnerable because of that relationship which then allows us to hear the person and the humanity behind the differences. Um, and, you know, one of the things that we've really encouraged is, is having a table that's big enough um, and trusting that God is big enough to bridge the differences and perspectives that we have. You both may have already hit on this, but kind of the next thing I was going to ask is sort of, what's the magic to this group or kind of what's the secret sauce? And maybe you're already getting at that, but I don't know if there's anything to add of like, what kind of makes it work? What makes the environment work where folks are able to sit down and have a meaningful conversation without it turning into the conversations we've all had that end up being really contentious and yucky and, and rivalistic and all those things. 
I think one of the things is we start with a question and questions invite questions. And so we can ask questions of the text and of each other in a way that is curious rather than um, seeking to harm in some way or to get at a certain um, you know, point. But that posture of, of curiosity and that willingness to ask questions um, fosters this space where we can withhold assumptions about each other and about where we're coming from to really hear the different places um, that we genuinely connect with God and, and seek to love the world together. Yeah, I, I think there are a couple of things for me. I mean, I think part of the magic is that, that what is, that the center of the circle in which we sit is a gospel text. I mean, something that we all already value a great deal and peace, right? Uh, so th those two things are in the center and we are gathered around that. I think that's part of the, so we're not gathered around the issue, right? Or any issue, we're gathered around a, a text that's meaningful and in fact sacred to us and, um, and ideas of, of peace and of a particular kind of peace, right? I think that's part of it. Um, part of the magic is that the context itself um, and because we know of our diversity, um, well, I'll say at least for myself, and um, it means that that there are particular ways in which I speak, right? There are particular ways in which I do not, that I refrain from speaking. Um, and um, yeah, in, as, as a way of, of, of honoring the circle that we're in. Um, there, and you know, I, yeah. There's also a lot of humor. There's a lot of humor. Um, and I, and there is the shared experience of being, um, of working in faith communities, although we're not all pastors at this moment, but we're all somehow working in communities of faith and working in one way or another to be leaders or servant leaders in that context. And, and so we have some shared, you know, real concrete experiences and, and this becomes a safe place to, to speak of those. And I think that's also part of the magic to be able to say, I'm just tired and I'm tired of this thing that we all know, right? Is there anything any either one of you would wanna add about the group that we maybe haven't um, hit on so far that you would want people to know? I would add for that, that an important piece of what happens for me is that I, um, I am invited and, and it's made easier to look at the text from a variety of perspectives. I mean, just, you know, there, it's a, there's a tremendous joy in hearing what others say, but even if I do not, even if they do not speak, I mean, in fact, just today, we had a member who was a part of the group 
who was in a situation where she couldn't really talk on Zoom, but she was there and I was aware that she was there. And because of her presence, I, a, my imagination about the world of the gospel story that we're sharing is expanded. Um, it's, it's just really easy to think in terms of myself and the community I serve, which is, has some diversity, but never as much as we would want. So that, that's part of what, what matters to me a great deal is simply being in a place where the story is heard in different ways. I also appreciate it as um, a place where I can learn more from the story. You know, there's that essence of, you know, we're hearing different perspectives, but I'm always looking for more places where I can continue to be a student, where I can continue to be a learner. Um, <clears throat> and the, the insight, I feel like that I've been able to glean um, about God and myself and the world and human interactions since we started this in January um, has just been incredible. And it, in, in and of itself, it has become part of my weekly um, self-care and my, my weekly um, practice that helps me um, be sustainable in the work that I do because of the connection that I receive and um, because of the way that it, it gives me life in, in being able to be a student. Yeah, to piggyback on what Jessica said, you know, people become, when you're conversation partners, you know, on a regular basis and committed to that, um, these voices become conversation partners. So when I am away from this setting and doing other parts of my work, I can, I can hear the voices of the people that in, are in this particular circle. And I can hear the questions. I can hear by, by having the discipline of asking for one hour every Wednesday, how does this speak to the making of peace? It, 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 it makes that question sort of at the, um, come up much more often during the week. Um, and, and I have, again, conversation partners to bring into that. And with all those lessons learned With the crazy long life that I lived already And the scars I earned I still can't seem to find the answers And all the questions I never knew But loving you just once was worth it Even if I, I can't we are taking a break for just a moment to let you know about an exciting project. All during this season of the Anchored City podcast, we are exploring places in the city where things are or are becoming the way they're supposed to be for all people. During the months of September, October, and November, we're partnering with Kaladi Brothers Coffee to hear from you about what would make Anchorage the way it's supposed to be for all people. We are asking the question, for Anchorage to be the way it's supposed to be for all people, I imagine. How would you answer that question? Here are a few things people have imagined. Housing for all, not just for those with money. Mental health care for all. Healthy civil discourse. Kindness. 
and an education system that is earth-aligned, intersectional, and interdependent. There have also been some less serious answers, like an indoor beach, more dancing and music, or oat milk lattes every day. To share what you imagine, stop by a local Claudi Brothers Cafe and look for the posters explaining the project and the chalkboards where you can record your input in eight different Kaladi Brothers locations across Anchorage. Go to anchorageutc.org allpeople for participating locations. Can't make it to a cafe? No worries. You can share your thoughts by going to facebook.com anchorageutc. Responses will be gathered and presented to Anchorage decision makers for their consideration. Please join us in imagining an Anchorage that's the way it's supposed to be for all people. For more information, go to anchorageutc.org slash all people. My final conversation was with the host of a podcast that you should check out called What Divines Us. Uh, I'm Rabbi Abram Goodstein. I'm the rabbi of Congregations at Shalom uh, here in Anchorage. And I'm Reverend Matthew Schultz. I'm the pastor here at First Presbyterian Church of Anchorage. And you're both the hosts of What Divines Us. So I would love to hear just like, what is that podcast? Why did you get it started? Those type of things. Just tell folks about what the podcast is. Sure. So, Joel, so uh, Matt and I, we love to talk. Uh, <laughs> and more importantly, we love to hear ourselves talk. Uh, and so we decided to start a podcast where we get to hear ourselves talk called What Divines Us. Uh, right, right, Matt? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was Abram's idea, really. So, um, and you do the lion's share of the work. So I, I get to... Uh, to sit in the passenger seat for your cool endeavor, and I'm really grateful that I get to. Yeah, learning sound work is not something I, I learned in medical school. That's that's for sure. But yeah, let's be serious. So, so what divides is, is really what divides is I think is more of a of an answer to a, a question of you know what do sort of like moderate religious people like and what would they do? You know, we try to show that religion does not have to be anything extreme, uh, and that people find a lot of meaning and solace. Uh, and help in religion, and Matt and I want to offer a version of religion that says we're a religion about religion should be about compassion. Religion should be uh, about you know loving your neighbor and offering that that kind of I would say dialogue mm-hmm. is really important to us. Um, as we watch lots of extreme versions of religion kind of all around us. And so I'm already going to disagree with you. I disagree with the framing of us as moderates and the wackadoodles as extreme. Because, uh, okay. uh, you know, if you get extreme Cheetos, it's like the proper Cheeto-ness, but more of the right Cheeto flavor. That's not what... These people are not extreme Cheetos. They're completely different flavored whatevers. Like uh, the jalapeno Cheetos, or? not even jalapeno. They're they're like they're okra with barbecue sauce on top. Something that doesn't make sense at all in a Cheetos bag. I what know, are you doing in that Cheetos I, I bag? I don't know a lot of people about like okra. 
but but if you reach your hand into a Cheetos bag and it was okra, you'd flip out, right? So uh, yeah, they don't belong there. So when I look at it, what you're framing maybe as religious extremists, if I see a Christian who's out there with the sign that says God hates fags, I'm like, that's not an extremist Christian. That's a non-Christian. I see. I understand. They've missed the entire point of that Cheeto powder. Right. Right. They're, so delicious. It's a different recipe altogether. Yeah. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> so I get, I get kind of what the podcast is. It's it's both of you. I've listened to most of the episodes. It's both of you talking about kind of your faith traditions and like where they differ. And, and obviously, you guys do disagree with each other, which is one of the things I like. Um, but why why start a podcast where a rabbi and a pastor are having a conversation about faith? Like, what prompted getting you guys around a microphone to do that? I think like I think one one reason is because we I really wanted to talk about sort of like. Judaism 101, like the intro of Judaism. And I realized it would be a really great format to bounce it off of someone who is not Jewish. Um, and so that, so I, 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 my, I anticipate Matt knowing nothing about Judaism. He actually knows quite a bit, it turns out. But, but you know, in that, in that way, with that understanding, we're, I'm able to explain stuff about Judaism that maybe I wouldn't understand, people wouldn't know, because I'm yeah. so immersed in it. And I, and I wanted to offer the same thing for Matt, to say, like, Matt, you know, teach me about your religion. And I'm like, what are you talking about half the time? And you have to explain yourself because all the Jews who listen to this podcast are going to have no idea. Right. You know? and so, so like Joel and I could start talking about the Trinity right now and we'd have volumes of books behind us that we've read. And I mentioned it to you on a podcast once and you were like, now, real quick, what's that? <laughs> <laughs> give, me, give me like a 10 second and I'm like, real quick. Yeah, I mean, there have yeah. been wars about this. I can't do it real quick. Exactly, exactly. And so we realized that through dialogue, um, not only can we explain our own religion, but we can also realize what we sort of just inherently know, but other people, you know, yeah. what we assume we know, and uh, and also, you know, it's a great back and forth and to do it this way. And so that's sort of what the impetus for that. Well, yeah, and in, in our current country context here, there's not a lot of conversation between people who have differing worldviews, but don't fight about that fact, right? right? Like, I recognize that your religion is quite different from mine. And we can talk about that without it being trying to convince each other or hurt one another with within that conversation. So for, for the listener, um, sort of what are you hoping your your podcast will accomplish? And I know that's a huge thing to say about podcasts. Like it's <laughs> going to accomplish this great thing. But like for listeners, what are you hoping it will do for them when they listen to it? I, you know, honestly, like one of, my, one of my biggest hopes is that someone who's not terribly religious realizes that they can find faith. Their, their own faith, like through our podcast, right? They can realize, oh shoot, you know, I've never really gone to church, never really asked anything about before, um, but my parents have, and I didn't really agree with them. Mm-hmm. But these, what these guys are saying makes sense to me. And I, I think I, I want to give them permission to say, yeah, step in, step into a house, a house of faith, house of worship, and, and to see what it's all about. You know, we, we offer tools, you yeah. know, we, we offer, you know, meaningful relationships. We offer things that are powerful. And it's not fair that other organizations hijack it and make it look bad. We, we, Matt and I believe that what we have to offer is beautiful. We want to share that with everyone else. Yeah, and I think it kind of lowers that, that difficulty of the entry point. I think a lot of people might think, oh, I've got this sense inside of myself, a hunger for some type of spiritual meal, so to speak. But I don't know if I want to take on that whole religion thing because it just seems like a big change to everything in your life. And this... This might be a nice way for people to say, oh, you can, you can start a little bit at a time. 
So you're both Anchorage based, and I know the podcast isn't focused specifically on Anchorage. Ours is like hyper focused, maybe mm-hmm. to <laughs> beyond what it should be in some ways on Anchorage. But I don't know if either one of you would want to speak to like what is the nature of sort of religious dialogue in the city, either inside of like massive. We could sit here and talk about the Trinity or whatever, but inside the tradition or across traditions as well. Like, what kind of is the climate that you see in the city right now? Well, Matt, you have a thing that you say sometimes. I've heard you say about how. There's not lots of religions here. There's really, there's really two in our mm-hmm. city, mm-hmm. Um, and one is sort of like the religion, sort of what we on the right and religion on the left, right? Liberal and conservative religion. Yeah, uh, people will often come to me and say, "Well, what's the what's the religion's perspective on issue A? You know, whatever it is." I'm like, "Well, there's not just one. I mean, just like any other group, there's lots. But for the most part, I would say that Anchorage religion, and probably in the U.S. as well, for the most part, we mirror." the national political divide. And if you find someone that supports candidate A, you probably have a somewhat okay guess as to where they might fall on that religious spectrum as well. So I, that's my perspective. I don't want to put words in your mouth, Abram, but I, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, uh, and so I think this dialogue is like what, we're, what we find so valuable, right? Like mm-hmm. Matt, and I, uh, Matt and I, we we talk to each other, we respect each other, we disagree with each other, that's all like part of the dialogue that we want to model for, for I guess, for our community, right? For Anchorage. And, and actually, let me share an example that I'm going to speak somewhat vaguely because I don't want to call anyone out. But I was receiving emails that were mailed out to clergy people broadly. Um, and when I say broadly, I guarantee you, Abram, you probably didn't get one because their perspective of broad would not include Jewish people. Um, but the goal of it was in hopes of unity. Um, across the city from this Christian perspective. And I thought, well, I like the idea of unity. So I responded by saying, thank you for this. I would love to be involved. I can help take on some of the workload. But I need to know that the members of my community, my church members, my brothers and sisters who are gay, are going to have a place at this event. And I immediately stopped receiving emails from that person. So that kind of divide um, in terms of, like we referred to before this recording began, in terms of exclusion and embrace. Who's, who's allowed in and who is who told they're not worthy of this religious experience? That divide is present nationwide and it's definitely just as polarized here in Anchorage. So you guys kind of mentioned this earlier in one of the other questions, but I guess the question, the, the last question I'll ask you about the podcast before our final question is sort of, what makes your podcast work? Obviously, you have some kind of ground rules because in light of that climate, I agree, in our city and our country, that's kind of the climate. You guys are able to have a conversation where you're not always on the same page, mm-hmm. but I've never listened to an episode where I was like, man, they must have turned the mic off and like started punching each <laughs> other. Like, that's never happened. Like, it so. always feels very like, like we can disagree, but we can still keep having the conversation. So like, what, are, what kind of makes it work? Well, I, you just said it. We can disagree with a conversation. That's a big deal to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel there's so many people that don't believe that. That if they, if you disagree with me or if I disagree with you, we're not having a conversation. Uh, and I, I want. I think Matt and I, we can have a conversation and disagree at the same time. I think it's because we got like loads of respect for each other, yeah. um, which is I think a, a part of it makes it work. Um, like I said before, Matt and I like to talk and hear ourselves talk. That makes it work really well too. <laughs> that's, that's true. This is a self-serving yeah. nature, I guess, right there. 
I feel like I've been banging on the drum this last year on the things that can make a conversation work. Well, well, to start with, we were friends before we started doing this. Sure. So that's yeah. just, you yeah, know, that's, that, there's that, an easy that, entry point. Yeah. If we had just been assigned this with a random stranger, maybe it wouldn't work. But I think any conversation is going to work if you stick to fact and compassion. And you and I, we might substitute the word truth instead of fact, but we also recognize then that that means that our own individual understanding of truth might be, might be off, right? So when I say, here's my idea of religious truth, well, I recognize that's different than a fact. And so I can be uh, shown that I'm wrong. You know, I can, I can be gentle with it. And as opposed to a conversation with a politically divided thing, if I say, well, here's the fact, vaccines are good. And someone else says, here's the fact, vaccines are bad. Well, we're, there's, no, there's not a conversation happening there if one side is going to absolutely betray fact. And compassion then, even more so. If you, know, if you just say, well, I hate this one population of people. Well, I don't think you can have a real conversation after that. Yeah. That becomes the eclipse in front of everything else if, if someone somehow lets slide the fact that they're racist, right? Well, then I'm not going to just hang out and watch the game with you because you're a racist and I don't like you. <laughs> Did you know that our podcast has a, like a, a saying, a little tagline? Our podcast has a yeah, uh, saying? Yeah, Now you probably should know that, but I don't. <laughs> it goes, it goes, um, there's more that divides us than divides us. Oh, yes, I did know that. Yeah, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah in fact, I, I want to order that bumper sticker. Yeah, that would be a cool one. Yeah, yeah we should start selling that. <gasps> Swag podcast page. Podcast merch. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it's okay. You heard it here first. There's a podcast merch coming. <laughs> Church merch. Church merch. <laughs> I love it. But that's actually the part where we yeah. say church merch on it. All right. Yeah, there you go. Copyright we're 2021. Gonna, we're going to make so much money off of church merch. <laughs>
Yeah. That's been the main thing for me for many, many years. Thank God. Yeah, I'm 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 very new as it relates to the pastoral ministry, senior leadership. But uh, one of those is really what uh, my friend Rick has just said. The uh, that group of individuals. Uh, but I have one individual that I uh, really kind of hold me accountable, and mm-hmm. that keeps me centered, keeps me focused on my ministry, not just as a pastor, but also as a husband, uh, as a leader in the mm-hmm. community, yeah. as a friend. Uh, as a brother, it, it keeps me centered. But then also, I have uh, this thing that I like to do. Uh, I just like to have me time, uh, mm-hmm. where it just it's just me and the Lord, and I sit, and literally, I do nothing. I do nothing. You and don't read the Bible. I don't read the Bible. You don't even pray, maybe. Well, I guess I'm praying. I, the Bible <laughs> say pray always. <laughs> but I'm, I literally, I don't think about it. I, I really to the best of my ability, try to clear my mind. Wow. And that keeps me centered. It keeps me focused. It keeps me grounded. Uh, it keeps me wanting to get up the next day and come and do what I do for the Lord. Beautiful. Oh, mine's a weird one, but- uh, Let's hear it. Uh, so it starts, out, it starts out pretty normal, right? I bike about an hour a day. Mm-hmm. I have a recumbent bike at home. So it's, I'm sitting back, yeah. not sitting forward. But I also love to play video games. And so I will play video games while biking on my bike. And it is like the most recharging thing that I can do every day. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I, I play like online games. And I'm always, I'm like cursing at the, at the TV. Like, you, see, you know? <laughs> <laughs> my wife can attest to this. Um, but I'm biking away. And the more angrier I get, the harder I bike. And, um, and that's how I, that's how I recharge. I used to play with other people, but they're like, who's breathing really hard in the mic? <laughs> well, that's me. I'm on my bike. Yeah. So that's, that's my, right. that's how I recharge. That's how I do self-care. I, I guess, do you, are you mean in terms of spiritual care or just care in general? It can be either one. So we've um, been pretty open. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think I don't follow patterns. And it's funny because this is one of an area of hypocrisy because as clergy people, people come to us and say, how should I, you know, take care of my spiritual life? And I often will recommend patterns, you know, like try to find, set aside a certain time and do a certain thing. But for me personally, I just, I don't do the same thing that often. Sometimes that's running. Sometimes it's painting. Um, going on hikes, I almost always find God in nature more than I find God even in my own church um, and being with my dogs much as I love my family, uh, when I'm with my family, I'm often talking to them and listening to them and that's wonderful and beautiful, but it's not a time where I'm praying, but I can pray real nicely with my dogs. They're really side. cute, your dogs. I see pictures of them all the time. Well, right? thanks. Uh, that's, that could be their, its own podcast. Yeah, <laughs> those dogs are cute. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I don't do the same thing twice, um, not on purpose anyway, um, but in a broad sense, nature, and solitude. And I would say if there's one spiritual hunger I've had in the past year and a half of pandemic that has not been met, it's solitude. We've had isolation, right? But in my house, my family's always there. And of course here at church, there's a congregation and I love being able to have those relationships and be in service of that sort. But there are times I just need to be alone on the mountaintop. So, that that's one spiritual practice that that I need and I'm lacking. I feel like Matt, you and I are both kind of like introverts in that way. Yes. And I want to point out that like there's extroverts out there too that really recharge when they're with other people. Right. And they've suffered greatly 
during COVID, um, unfortunately. Sure. And, yeah. yeah. I don't know. I don't want. I don't want everyone to feel bad. They're like, well, my thing is, I, I, I like to hang out and party. That's how I try. I'm like, that's valid too. Right. Oh, yeah. of course. Yeah. Yeah. To to each their own. But I've read somewhere that the vast majority of clergy are introverts. And, are they really? I and then we have extrovert. this work that requires extrovert tools, right? right. And I have so, to do, yeah, exactly. Well, that's why we're all nuts and we all burn out. <laughs> I didn't realize the vast majority of clergy are introverts. I definitely am. I get home after a Sunday morning service and I crash hard. I just, I'm, I, I'm I'm I saying. eat and then I fall asleep. I'm introverted. Yeah. In Vancouver City, you learn something new every day, right? That's right. Yeah. <laughs> For me, probably my favorite um, is a practice of creating illuminated text. I like making stuff. I don't sit still quite as easily as some folks do. Um, so I, one of the practices that I have is taking a particular, um, typically a biblical text, sometimes a prayer or something written by someone else and just in handwriting it onto a page and paying attention to every word and, and to the, the narrative patterns and then very often and decorating that I, I don't draw so much, but I use sort of colors, colors and shapes to, to illumine what's there and create a manuscript that then I can reflect on, but the, it's the process of making it that centers me deeply. I vary my practices quite a bit. Um, even, you know, week to week, and then I won't return to one again for a while. But this week in particular, I've been really drawing on breath prayers, um, combining the, the experience of, of breathing, just the physical ramifications of that with um, one of my favorite ways to refer to God, which is Yahweh. So I'll just spend a number of minutes, sometimes that's a long time just breathing in. And then I just allow everything that has been carried throughout the day in my mind and in my body and my spirit and my soul to just like um, kind of carry that, that breath movement in and out. Um, and it's a way that I can move into a space where I am centered enough to just be still. Um, and to listen and offer up anything that has remained um, and reflect on, on my day. The Anchored City Podcast is grateful for our partner this season, Kaladi Brothers Coffee. Kaladi's is a catalyst for community. Stop into one of their 17 cafes in Anchorage, across Alaska, and in Seattle, or check them out at kaladi.com. That's K-A-L-A-D-I dot com. We are also grateful for a grant from Resonate Global Mission and a partnership with Street Psalms, both of which contribute to making this podcast possible. And we are grateful for you, our listeners. If you are grateful for what you're hearing, please rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts and recommend us to your friends. You can support this podcast by selecting the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative at smile.amazon.com when you shop at Amazon so that when you make a purchase, Amazon donates to us. Resources used to make this episode can be found in the show details. The Anchorage City Podcast is a production of the Anchorage Urban Training Collaborative. 
The mission of the collaborative is to train the head, hearts, and hands of urban leaders to love their city and seek its peace. When we say peace, we mean a desire to see a world where all things are the way they're supposed to be for all people. Find us online at anchorageutc.org or on social media at Anchorage UTC. Our theme music is by Anchorage's own Monica Leitner.